Well, good morning, and I'll turn it down just a little bit. Um, grateful to have you guys back with us as we, we are in week six of How to Grow. Uh, my name is Greg Luca, and I'm grateful to be with you and would love to open us up in prayer as we get started this morning, if you want to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we pray. Lord, we pray that... Uh, This morning, as we explore uh, what your word says about serving, God, that we would come with humble hearts and uh, ready to hear your word and ready to learn and grow in the area of service. So God, uh, enable us to do so as we dive into your word this morning. Amen. Well, uh, this morning, as I said, we are in... Uh, week six of how to grow, and today we are going to look at the topic of serving and uh, think about how we can cultivate the spiritual discipline of serving in our lives. So uh, when we hear words like serving uh, or a servant, oftentimes we get negative thoughts or maybe we have some preconceived um, implications of what serving is. Often, serving is difficult compared with having others serve us, right? We typically want to be served, not be the ones serving. Uh, And there are many ways that we can take service for for granted or hardly notice maybe when we're even being served. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a restaurant and you're deep in conversation and before you know it, there's a drink or a refill right in front of you and you didn't even realize that it occurred. It just happened, and we're deep in conversation. We don't recognize when we are being served. You know, there, there are industries, there are sectors of the economy, there are service organizations, all that provide aid and protection in our time of need, most of which we don't even realize when it's occurring that we are being served in many ways. So in a variety of ways, uh, Christians, we are called upon to serve one another Because it is impossible for someone to live in complete isolation. So we are all being served. The reality is, uh, and this raises the important question, okay, where did this idea come from of being served? So to start us off, I want to just kind of go through just a very brief theology of service. So I think this is the place where we can start even at the beginning of creation, like Greg. Please do not go through the entire Bible. Uh, I'm going to just do a brief theology of service. But to do that, we have to start at creation. I think God, the creator, made all things out of nothing by the power of his will and by his word. So that we, for his glory, as his image bearers, would serve him joyfully. Well, serving God and serving one another is basic to our, our of who we are, to our image bearing and our humanity. And through, though this is true today, as it was in the beginning, something has happen, happened. Something that makes service maybe a little bit painful, maybe discouraging, at times frustrating. Well, this is the result of the fall, and this good design was marred by the fall. So... Our sin prohibits us from honoring God in our service. I love the way the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 1, 
verses 25, it says, We exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creator, the, excuse me, the creature rather than the creator. So as a result, everything has been disordered, distorted. And because of the power of sin and the judgment of God uh, that he pronounced in Genesis 3, we are a- unable to serve God as we ought. But the good news is that in his great mercy, he came in the form of a servant to free us from sin and death so that we might live before him, love him, and now worship him. Well, thus, this is the good news that Christ restores us into a right relationship with God and enables us once again to honor him with our service. So our service, once we are redeemed people as believers, um, it points us to a time when we can serve God flawlessly and completely for eternity. So this is a, the good news is that one day we will, we are not yet, but one day we will be able to serve him completely uh, and flawlessly. Yet, this morning, what I want to do is look at some basic areas of, of every Christian is expected to serve and see our motivation to serve, as you can see there in your outline, and see that every Christian is also gifted to serve, but then see that service actually requires discipline for us to discipline ourselves, that we would serve to honor him. But I think as we do that, having that understanding of of kind of what has happened to our service, I think it's helpful to have a definition of uh, Christian service. So there in your outline, you will see it said this way. Christian service is the sincere worship of God with our whole lives. Dan taught us in week two of this class that when we consider the all of life as worship for the believer, that worship encompasses the dedication of our entire life. So all of life is worship. And so like the other disciplines, service is part of whole life worship of God who's created us and redeemed us through Christ. So this is a part of, of who we are, and it's one of the disciplines that we must do as a Christian. So service, we are called to be obedient and motivated by faith for what he has done. So we, uh, such service includes praising God with our our words. In Hebrews 13, we see that. Gospel ministry, financial giving, serving one another. You could be leading a Bible study or witnessing to your coworkers or striving to be a godly husband or wife. Whatever, Whatever it is, there are all kinds of different ways that we serve, but there's one goal in serving, and that is the glory of God. That as we serve, we would be glorifying him as we serve others, as we as we serve in one of the many different ways. I think we see this in Second Thessalonians one. And I'll I'll read it here for us now. It says, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good, every work of faith by his power. So that by the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul actually prayed 
these things so that Christ would be glorified in their service. So I think understanding the goal of Christian service is important. After all, it is really hard work, and it usually doesn't come easy. And it goes unappreciated in most, way, in most times. It's the ministry of serving may be something as public as teaching, or it could be something as, as uh, unseen as setting up chairs. Um, most often it's not seen, and it's very private and unnoticed by most of those around us. Even to think for this morning to happen, there's so many ways that, that, that folks have served us, we have no idea all the things that go into meeting on a Sunday morning. Um, but one of the things I think that we must be aware of is that lady, laziness and pride can hinder our service. So without discipline, we will only serve God when it's maybe convenient or on occasion um, or opportune or maybe just when it benefits us. I think the desire to glorify God, however, however it may be, whatever it may look like, it should inf- inspire fervent service to God. We do this to glorify him. Romans 12 says, exhort, it, it actually exhorts Christians, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit to serve the Lord. So zeal is actually the exact opposite of sloth. In, in, the, in the word zeal, in the Bible, it delivers, uh, it derives from the Hebrew and Greek words for jealous or jealousy. So to be zealous for God is to be jealous for his glory, that we'd be, we'd be serving in such a way that we are vigorously laboring to glorify him in all that we do. So as we consider this idea of serving God, serving him for his glory, we should notice there's even, uh, I think, can be a difference between, between serving and volunteering. I think sometimes we can just volunteer maybe when it's convenient. I know in the past, uh, there are trails up in Bentonville, and they've asked for volunteers. And when it's convenient, I'll go and I've helped clean the trails. I've volunteered to help clear the way. But serving, on the hand, other hand, requires sacrifice. And so am I willing to sacrifice my time, my schedule, my talents, maybe forgo other opportunities so that I would do this for God's glory? Serving is that of, that of a heart posture before God, that we are doing it to serve. So who is to serve? Who is to serve? Well, every Christian is expected to serve. The chief end of the Christian is to glorify God, as we've, we've already spoken about this morning. So therefore, every Christian is expected to serve. When God calls his elect to himself, he does not call us to idleness. uh, But we are saved in order to glorify God. And we glorify God through serving him. So we are Christ's servants. As Christians, we are redeemed people, freed from our bondage of sin. And we now serve a new master, Jesus. He gave his own life in order to redeem us, and it is now our joyful obligation to serve him. Well, I love how Revelation 5, uh, verse 9 and 10, it says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open the seals, 
For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, every people, and every nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Romans 6.22, it says, But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and and, and its end is eternal life. So as Christians, we, it is clear, we belong to Christ. And that means both the direction and the purpose of our life, our life has radically changed. We no longer live for ourselves, but we live in... We no longer live for ourselves because we no longer are the master of our own lives. Instead, we joyfully, now we joyfully have an obligation is to love and live for Christ who has bought us with his blood. You know, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, You are not your own. You were bought with a price. It, man, scripture could not be more clear in the New Testament, we will see James and Paul and Jude open up uh, in their letters and say that they're actually servants. They are slaves to Christ. So Christ, he's paid an exceedingly high price to ransom us from sin. He gave his very life to save us from our sin. So isn't it only right that we offer our lives in service to him? For what he has done. Mark 10. It says it this way. For even the son of man came not to be served. But to serve. And give his life as a ransom for many. So our service should be a priority for us. Because service is costly. We see Christ did this to his very death on the cross. Uh, And God asks for our life. And he has the right to ask for our life. Because We belong to him and we are called then to serve him. In Ephesians 2, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. This is a gift of God, a result of works that no, uh, not a result of works so that no man may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand. For us, that we should walk in them. So, so verse eight and nine is clear. Salvation is entirely by God's good grace, and not by our works. We, as poor, needy sinners, bring nothing to the table. Our our hope is purely in Christ and what He has done. He is alone as our Savior, and we can do nothing to earn our salvation. So it is faith alone, Christ alone, that saves. But saving faith is never alone. It will always produce fruit of obedient service. So our faith is active. So Paul says it this way in verse 10 of Ephesians 2. It says, created in Christ for good works. So good works is not the root of salvation, but good works and service is the fruit of salvation. There, I love the way the, the reformers used to say it. It is faith alone that justifies, but faith that justifies should never be alone. So our faith is always working. 
Our faith is always working. It is never alone. We are saved for a purpose, to glorify God. So we are saved to serve and to glorify God. This is an amazing because we are God's workmanship in Christ. So people should see our good works and they should actually say that is a work of God. So I think even in the way that we serve and when we serve one another, that should be even a a sort of evangelism to say that the the world should see that and give glory to God. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So this should lead people to recognize that God is at work in our lives. So once we are saved by God's grace, our service is also redeemed. We honor God with our service. Jesus' work on the cross transforms our dead works and enables them to serve the living God. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So we serve the living God because we have a living faith. And a very functioning faith that is working itself out. Romans 12 says, Romans 12 1 highlights this radical demand. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual act of worship or service. So in view of these mercies, and in view of what we have received from God, our response is to offer God our entire life. And here are some, some things maybe to consider even as we go through our week. Do we hold anything back as we think about serving? Do we hold anything back from God? Or maybe uh, how, how do we use our time, our energy, our um, relationships, our abilities and talents? Do we use them to serve the Lord? And I pray that the Lord may help us offer ourselves completely as a sacrifice for his glory. Because serving Christ in, also involves serving the church. So we cannot claim to serve Christ if we are indifferent to the welfare of his body. So this challenges even maybe the way we we think or we approach church. Do we join a church because we get to hear a good sermon? Do we join it uh, to gain from it? Or do we join a church so that we can serve the members and the other Christians and be a blessing to them? This is a radically different mindset. Do we join for what we can give or do we join for what we can get in the church? And one of the most pressing needs, I think, in the church is this concept of the working church, where every member is actively serving the body. This is what is meant, I think, by the the term priesthood of believers. So we are all to contribute to the good Uh, of the body and whatever the Lord has enabled us to do. So the gifts and talents that he has blessed you with, how are you using that? Uh, This is healthy. This is how a healthy church grows and comes about. So this idea of the priesthood of the believers actually 
takes us back to a verse we read a little bit earlier in Revelation 5, verse 9, uh, a passage that we uh, read a little bit ago. The implications of this is that Christ's redemptive work, well, one implication is that Christ's blood, in Revelation 5.10, that you have made a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth forever. Well, we are going to share in that one day with Christ, but we also share in that now as a priesthood of, of believers. We are to begin to serve the body. So every Christian shares in this priestly office through the outpouring of the Spirit. But in addition to this blessing, he's also giving the body gifts. We see this clearly in Ephesians 4. And it says he gave some, he gave, and he gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the ministry and the building up of the body until we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of stature of fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, in the middle of verse 14, tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness or deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way in, into him who is the head, into Christ to whom from the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is equipped when each part is working properly, making the body grow so it builds itself up in love. So the leaders are not actually the only ones that are responsible for growing the church. In fact, it's clear that Paul places the duty on the, on the congregation, that it is the congregation responsibility the duty of the elders is to actually equip the body to do the work so we are equipped by the elders in a lot of this we should ask ourselves do we simply enjoy good teaching for its own sake or do we seek equipping ourselves for the ministry do we just come and do we just consume or do we actually uh, are we being equipped are we actively using what we have learned to serve, serve others, or are we just uh, using that for our own, own good and not actually blessing others? We all have a part to play in building up the church. None of us are exempt from the responsibility of serving and building up the church. Verse 16 says, uh, and encourages all to do whatever we can. So a body grows in a healthy way when its various parts carry out the different functions in unity. So they work in tandem with each other. This illustration is very instructive. No part of the body can, can say it's too small or insignificant. Each part does its work so the church and its members will be healthy and grow when all of us work together for the good of the church and to glorify God. So what are some motivations? But before uh, we go into that, I want to see if, if there are any questions or comments so far.
Okay, so what are the motivations? What are the motivations for serving? Because I think there are obstacles that can make us maybe less fervent about serving. A good way to rekindle the passion for serving is to, to literally meditate on the biblical motivations for serving. So this is a helpful way for kind of checking our own motives as we serve. I think one uh, helpful way as we think about our motivation is that of motivated by being motivated by obedience. Deuteronomy 13 verse 4 says, It is the Lord your God you must follow, and you must revere, keep his commands, and obey him, and serve him, hold fast to him. So everything in this verse relates to obedience to God. And in the middle of this command on obedience is the mandate to serve him, to serve God. So we serve God because he commands it, for one, but also we want to obey him. It is our, our hope and our desire that we would obey him. So no Christian is meant to sit on the sidelines as we watch everyone serve around us. Uh, we are all to do the kingdom work together. So we are motivated by obedience. We want to obey what he has called us to do. But we are also motivated by gratitude. First Samuel twelve twenty four says, But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all of your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. So, it is no burden to serve God when we remember what he has done for us. Two verses before this, Samuel reminds the Israelites that the Lord was pleased to make us his own. He was pleased. So, it is with all of us who are God's people. He was pleased to make us his own. We were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in sin. So without Christ, we had no hope. But we rightly deserved God's judgment. But God, in his grace towards us, sent his son as a sacrifice. So we should be motivated by gratitude. When our hearts grow cold uh, in serving God, we ought to consider what great things the Lord has done for us. But we are also motivated not only by gratitude, but by forgiveness. We serve God because we are forgiven, not in order to be forgiven. We looked at this even in, in Ephesians 2. Uh, Christians aren't prisoners who should serve God just begrudgingly or to let it, letting it turn to drudgery. But uh, the opposite of true, we can serve God willingly because Christ's death and resurrection has freed us from guilt. We can serve him freely. I love the example of Isaiah in Isaiah 6. As he's having this vision. And he said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Verse 6. No one of the seraphim, now one of the seraphim flew to me having his hands a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, 
This has touched your lips. Your guilt has been taken away. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. So Isaiah, he was eagerly excited to to serve the Lord. Why? Not because he felt guilty, but because God had taken away his guilt. He and he has taken away our guilt if we are in Christ. So if if so, then we are to serve him because of what he's done for us. So we are motivated by forgiveness. We are also motivated by gladness. Meditating on what he has accomplished, Christ should fill us not only with gratitude, but with joy. Now I have to admit, there are many Sundays when I'm driving to serve that I'm not filled with joy. And I don't think I'm alone. But his, it was a heart check this week for me as I think about some, just the way that sometimes serving is inconvenient. And it makes you get up early. And sometimes you have fussy kids. And there is not a lot of joy. But this is the exact opposite what we are called. In Psalm 100 verse 2 it says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Now I admit that there are many times when I'm serving, I am not entering his presence with singing. I am more than often grumping about how I am having to serve. Instead of and letting that rob me of <clears throat> just even the blessing of serving. So do we count it a privilege to serve God? If we do, then we should let that drive us. Let us serve him with gladness. Not only do we rejoice in what God has done, but we rejoice in being used by him. And even letting the body benefit from that. That we would serve one another Joy comes as we labor together, even as we look side by side of those who we are laboring with, that it wouldn't be that of drudgery, but we would be doing it because we are glad. Come into his, his presence with singing. I think we also see this in Philippians 1, where it says, I thank God every time I remember you in my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Man, Paul was praising God for the ways that he saw them working and serving. Um, can the same be said of us as we do that? So we are motivated. Uh, but we are motivated by humility. And there's a tendency, I think, for us to, if I have to serve, maybe I... Just that idea that kind of gets planted in our heads that I need some recognition. And while most of us may n never act on that, many of us have the thoughts in our hearts that you know, it would be good to get some recognition for the ways that I'm serving. And I think pride and self-centeredness can often hinder the way that we serve and serving sincerely. Uh, Though through the power of the Spirit, we must put that to death. Put those thoughts and that uh, idea that we need recognition for the way that we are serving. We must put that to death. And I think we have to model it after what Christ has done. I, I love the example that we have of Christ in John 13 and Mark 10, where Jesus is actually washing the disciples' feet. <clears throat> 
setting an example for us to follow in servanthood. And at the same time, humility, Jesus leads us to, Jesus is, offers himself willingly as a sacrifice for those who would trust him. But in John 13, we see that Jesus takes the disciples' feet, he takes the water, and he washes them. And in this act of Christian um, service is just one that I think we should all look to and see as an example that while Jesus could have been maybe in the height of his ministry, of preaching and teaching to thousands, takes the humble posture of a servant and washes the disciples' feet. And I think we often will look at ministry as that of maybe something as a stepping stone, but yet we do not see that mindset in Christ. We see him humbly serving. Philippians 2 says, Do not let selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. If Jesus, the Creator, and ruler of all things, willingly humbled himself to serve people, I think we should do and follow his example. So the discipline of service is not how well you serve, because even the world can serve well, and you know it will lead to profit. But the Christian who serves with humility, that will actually lead to Christ-likeness. And that glorifies him. So we are motivated... By humility. But we are also motivated by love. Love is at the heart of every Christian service. Without love, any form of service would be maybe maybe even hypocritical. Love should motivate and encourage us to serve God fervently. So there are some things in service that I would never do for money. One of those things that I would never do for money is changing a baby's diaper. You know, as I think about changing my kids' diapers, it's, I do that out of love, right? Anyone who has been a parent or is a parent knows you do that out of love. And it's a lot harder when you go to change another baby's diapers that's not your kid. And why is that? Well, part of that may be the amount of love that you have for them. It's always harder to change somebody else's, you know, some other baby's diaper that's not yours. But we are motivated by love. So, firstly, I think it is God's love for us in Christ that spurs us to serve Him. So, this is the, this is the starting point of love. We are able to love God and love our fellow Christian only because Christ has first loved us. See this in Second Corinthians: for love, for the love of God controls us, because we have concluded this that. One has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who, who for their sake died and was raised. So understanding how he, he was loved by God and in Christ motivated Paul to understand entirely the, the work of the Lord. And Paul realized that because Christ died for him, that he could no longer live for himself. I love how the the hymn, The Wonderful Cross, says it this way. Were the whole, whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. 
Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. So firstly, we, we, it is because of God's love for us that spurs us to serve him. But also, it is our love for God that encourages us to serve him. So after his resurrection, Jesus uh, asked Peter three times, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times Peter said yes, and the three times Jesus exhorted him to feed his sheep. So do we claim to love the Lord, then we must serve him cheerfully and diligently. But then, thirdly, I think the love for other Christians should motivate us to serve them. And we see this in Galatians five thirteen. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not Use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. So love calls us to serve. So our love, as we are motivated by Christ, our love for our brothers and sisters should be active. It is serving them, and we show our love for them. And by doing so, we actually commend the gospel to outsiders who see our actions. And then we are also motivated by reward. Now we do this to, not to earn our salvation or good works, if we already talked about this morning, but there is a sense in which the reward is in heaven to determine our, by our faithfulness and service to God in this life. So Jesus exhorts us to labor for things for eternal value. And he says this in Matthew 6. He says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So rewards are not selfish, are not selfish motivation if our goal is to use them for God's glory and his end. So we certainly want to use uh, our time and energy to serve in love. And we want to be intentional about laying up treasures in heaven that we would, where moss and rust will not destroy. First Corinthians says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, that in, your, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So service is motivated by reward, but service is also part of obedience to God. To serve faithfully, to grow in sanctification, serving is a spiritual discipline that we cultivate for the purpose of godliness. What are some other maybe motivations that come to mind as you think about serving?
Well, every Christian, we are called to serve. We are we are motivated by different ways, um, but every Christian is also gifted to serve. So, as Christians, we have received the Holy Spirit, and He sovereignly equips each one of us to serve in unique ways with spiritual gifts that we are able to serve God and glorify Him. Um, 1 Corinthians, it says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. This is in chapter 12. All of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who appropriates each one individually as he wills. So there are many different gifts, but there is always one purpose. And that purpose is to glorify God. Even more specific in First Peter, it says, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, uh, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to be long to to him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So first Peter is clear. If you are a Christian, you are, you definitely have a spiritual gift. Now you may have not exercised that yet. You may not know what it is yet, but you have been given a gift. And I think one of the best ways to learn that is to, to begin to start serving, to see, to exercise what you think it may be. I think in addition to studying scripture, um, that is one of a, a great way uh, to discover and confirm the spiritual gifts, obviously, by serving. Uh, no one has bench warmer status in, as a Christian uh, in the kingdom of God until you can name your gift. We are all called to serve. So some Christians maybe uh, will even take a spiritual gifts test or uh, take an inventory, I think, even just beginning to serve. I think that's one of the best ways is beginning to serve faithfully and working that out. Other verses on spiritual gifts is 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 31, Romans 12. Um, it may also be that God's intention is to take us out of our comfort zones. Um, oftentimes that's one of the best ways that we can grow is by doing something maybe we haven't done before, growing in that way. But I also think to do that, this requires us to be disciplined. Um, so service requires discipline. Uh, discipling and disciplining ourselves for the service means that we have deliberately set aside some time. Now, it takes energy, time, resources to do the Lord's work. And I think we have to be intentional about that as we want to grow in serving. In Colossians 1.29, it says, For I toil, struggling with all energy, that he powerfully works within me. The word labor here means to work to the point of exhaustion. Now, I, that doesn't mean that we serve, you know, 20 weeks in a row in children's ministry. Although I think Ryan would love that. 
<laughs> well, we shouldn't toil to that extent. We should be under the teaching of the word. We should be intentional about that because the end result is that doesn't serve our children's ministry well, and which is why Ryan wouldn't like that. But we must toil. We must move towards godliness, and each one of us is expected to serve and to be faithful in that. So we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to serve? Um, and we can look at some of the things, even as, as Dan uh, emailed me this week, of just to think through. We can think through needs-based of the church. We can think through gifts-based. We can go with the flow. Or you can just tell me where to go. And I think having a mindset of all three, or rather all four, of being able to serve where we're needed at times, but then also serve where our gifting is, is helpful. Um, if you wanted to find out a place to serve, I would be happy to try to connect you with one of the deacons. Um, we have many over many different areas. We have uh, area of transportation, greeting and parking, ordinance, a deacon over ordinances, of member care, of the bookstall, of ushers, of member care, building and grounds, deacon of sound, um, and uh, deacon, deacon of greeting and parking. And these are the people who lead us, lead the body as we serve. And so one of those, uh, even talking to Ryan yesterday, there's always need uh, in the children's rotation. So if you're not serving anywhere, um, Ryan, you want to give a plug for the children's ministry while you're back? Like, <laughs> I know, right? Thanks for sharing that. So there, there are many different ways. And we can look at it in a, a myriad of different ways as we serve. Uh, even talking to Caleb uh, this week, he said there's a need for four folks 
to jump on the rotation or to serve as needed uh, in the sound and AV area. Or in second mile ministry, they are looking for additional counselors, um, parking and greeting, safety team, children's ministry, or children's sound. Um, there's just a ton of ways that we can plug in to serving. And I would love to help uh, get you plugged into a place if you're not. You said in the bookstall? Yeah, two <clears throat> so two volunteers in the bookstall area. So if you know and like to explore good books and thumb through good books, then that'd be a great place to serve as well. Yeah, so you can talk to Terry Irwin, and he'd love to uh, get you plugged into that as well. <clears throat> so the goal, as we look back to our definition, that Christian service is in sincere worship of God with our whole lives. And so we have a common goal. It is to glorify God with our service. So I pray that as we look for opportunities, whether it's in children's ministry or one of the many different ways, that we would do just that, that we would glorify God with our service. Would you guys pray with me as we finish up? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you that you were first and have not asked us to do something that, that you have not already done, that you have served us, that you have uh, <clears throat> become lowly, that you would serve us, that you would come down from your throne and serve us with humility. God, we pray that uh, as the body, that we would serve well, that we would do it for your glory, and the watching world would take notice and glorify you because of the way that you see, that they see your church serving. So as we go, uh, God, may that be a part of our daily lives, the serving of one another, the serving of your church um, would be active and uh, that you would receive much glory because of it. God, we thank you for this time this morning. We pray uh, all these things in your name. Amen.